0: 1 Peter 3, 1-7, through 7. for your marriage to survive and thrive, husbands and wives, stay in your order. Please stand for reading of the word of God. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. Now, what in the world does it mean, stay in your order? Well, guess what? Stay tuned, and you will find out. The theme of 1 Peter is strength and comfort in suffering. Last week, we talked about responding to suffering the Jesus way, and the Jesus way is submission, submission in the suffering that you're going through, particularly we talked about slaves or masters last week, and we were to be patient with our masters or our slaves, even when they are mean, even when they are unfair, even when they are treating you in a poor manner. Verse 20, we do this patiently, to bear the load with faith and patience. That's what that word patiently meant, to bear the load with faith and patience. Now, why are we to put up with the cruel and fair treatment? Well, because we represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this culture, and it's very important that we represent him rightly. Verse 19 says this, that it was our conscience towards God. The reason that we put up with it, our conscience towards God. It's what we are to do. It's what God has called us to do. A key verse was verse 21 last week. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Leaving us an example. And then he went into how he suffered unjustly, without complaining, without murmuring, without reviling in return and that sort of thing. Jesus suffered, and he suffered unjustly, like I just said. And remember, we are reflecting him wherever we go. And we can only suffer like Jesus or model him the best we can in this culture. It is only through the Spirit's power because, remember, our flesh is always going to want to get even. Our flesh is always going to be that entity within us that wants to get back and pay back. Through all of your suffering, all the unfairness, never forget that Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. He is the overseer of your soul. He is the episkopos, the one who watches over your soul. He knows right where you are. And remember, he as the great shepherd, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. The Lord is my shepherd. He's our episcopos, He's watching over us. In chapter 2, what we learn in chapter 2 were the following, just very briefly. We learned that we were aliens and strangers here. We're peculiar people. We're different people. The world's never going to understand us. As this country grows darker, we'll be more and more less understood as Christians. And therefore, we must be very cognizant of our light in the culture, that we actually display what we believe and live it out. We also learned what this looks like to be aliens and strangers, and that, that is to abstain from fleshly lust. And That takes the Holy Spirit's power, too. We are to submit to the government, even if they're Nero's, even if they're Caesar's, even if they are incredibly awful, and we can only make it through this awfulness through whose power? The Holy Spirit's power. You can't do it on your own. And remember, government was established by God to suppress evil. And we are to obey the government, pay our taxes, obey the laws, even if we don't like what they're doing, unless the things that they want us to do are contrary to the word of God. And then we have to say, no, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. We can never embrace a woman's right to choose. We can never embrace that. We can never embrace uh, same-sex marriage. It is something we cannot do because it's against the word of God. And so then we're looked at as strange and peculiar and intolerant and even evil because we're not loving the way the world views love. Hey, the greatest love that we can give to the world around us is telling them the truth. Telling them the truth. We are to submit to our masters, our employers, our bosses, the authority that has been placed over us. And again, it's through the Holy Spirit's power. Now, for this week, the submission theme continues. For your marriage to survive and thrive, husbands and wives, you must stay in your order. And this, again, is something that will be more than what you can do. This is through the power of the Holy Spirit that you're going to be able to do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our eyes and ears to the truth of your word. Speak to us today the things that you want us to know. And what you teach us, help us to apply. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's an interesting thing here. Just When you look at this text, there's six verses that are dedicated to the women and one to the guys. And you got to wonder, what in the world is going on? Well, there's an answer to that. William Barclay says this. This is because the wife's position was far more difficult than that of the husband. If a husband became a Christian, particularly in that culture when the husband was absolute ruler, and I'll show you that in just a moment, what he said went, and the wife had no word within the family whatsoever. He would, he would automatically bring his wife with him into the church, and there'd be no problem. But if a wife became a Christian while her husband did not, she was taking a huge step, which was unprecedented and which produced the acutest problems for the husband. And so God is teaching us through his word here how a wife can deal with an unbelieving husband. So, it starts in verse 1 and 2. Wives, God's order for you is submission to your husband. Now, what does this really mean? Well, we're going to find out right now. Wives, likewise, be submissive. Now, it likewise means, he's talked about be submission to government, be in submission to the masters. Now, the wives are being submissive to their husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, they're unbelievers. They, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste or your pure conduct accompanied by fear, that would be the fear of God. That the fear of God is what is changing the behavior of the wife. So the word submission, we've gone through this many times. You probably have this memorized. But just for your edification, we inculcate, teach by repetition. The word is hupotasso, and it is a military term, to fall into rank. It speaks of order, not value. Order, not value. In the Godhead, there is order: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the angelic realm, there is order: uh, Cherubim, Seraphim, Archangels, Messenger Angels. In the church, there is order: There are elders and deacons. In the government, there is orders. In marriage, there is order: Husband and wife. The children are, are to be orderly and submit to the submit to order. Chaos is not of God. Chaos is not of God. God is a God of order and structure. That's something you want to remember. Now, submission in our culture, is that a good word? Is that a a popular word? Or is that a difficult, evil word? And I'm thinking it's the second one. Submission in our culture is not viewed as very good. Not viewed as very good. Ruling, being in charge, having everything coming your way, that's great and wonderful. That's what everybody wants but it's quite different in God's eyes. Submission in His eyes are quite different. Why is submission difficult for the woman? Why is, it, why is submission difficult for some women? And I will submit to you that it is difficult. It's difficult for all of us to submit in our order. But watch this. The reason it's so difficult goes back to Genesis Chapter three, verse sixteen. So, if you would just turn there for just a second, I think it'll be worth your turning and worth your journey. Genesis chapter three, verse sixteen. Now, remember the setting here is the fall of fall of man. Man was given one prohibition: do not eat of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. And lo and behold, the tempter came, and Eve fell first, and she gave the apple to her husband, and he was standing right there. He was, not, he was not walking in his order as a head of the home. He was not protective of his wife. Adam bore the brunt. So all three culprits in this, in this story have a consequence. Satan, Satan is going to have his head crushed in verse 15. Jesus Christ, this is the first actual prophecy of a coming one, the Messiah who will be coming, who will crush the head of Satan. It says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, that's Satan and the woman, which will be Israel, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. That is, Jesus Messiah shall bruise your head. He will give you a death blow, but you shall bruise his heel. You're going to cause him some trouble, but Jesus will come out victorious. To the man, he has this consequence, and you've experienced this every day when you go to work. Watch this in verse 17. Now, Adam, because you heeded the voice of your wife, now wise man will oftentimes, more than that, heed the voice of his wife. Listen to her. She's your helpmeet. She's the one that's helping you through this life. She's giving you a different view of things. Listen to her. But if she tells you to do something that is contrary to God, you cannot listen to her. Adam did. Now, because you did this, because you've eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, Adam, I spoke to you about this. Now, you shall not eat of it. Watch this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Now, this was an agrarian society. So now, instead of it being a garden that is very plentiful, it's going to be all kinds of messes trying to make a living. In toil, you shall eat of it. It's going to be hard work and struggle all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. So for the man, every time you go to work, every time you're in the workplace, and you have a difficult day, which is every day. You will have some challenge in that, in that workplace. Thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. That is your curse. But to the woman, listen to this. I will greatly, in verse 16, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Now, notice the word sorrow. Eve did not know anything about sorrow before this fall. I will will multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Childbirth is painful. Raising children are painful because you're raising little sinners. There are going to be difficult paths along the way. And then this, your desire shall be for your husband. Your desire shall be for your husband. Now, is this different than Eve had a desire in, in the garden prior to the fall with Adam? there is a difference here. Your desire for your husband, I think that after the fall, the woman was made hypersensitive. And I'll I'll get this in just a moment, so not just yet. And he shall rule over you. Now, that ruling over you makes the the husband insensitive. Now, these are two things that we have to realize that are different in each one of us post-fall. The hypersensitivity of the woman and the insensitivity of the man. Now, let me expand on this for just a second. So, the curse is in Genesis 3.16. I want you to focus on the word desire. It is the, it is the Hebrew word teshga Pretend that's how it's pronounced. Teshuga. And it means to stretch out after, to yearn for. And this makes her hypersensitive. Again, makes her hypersensitive. The root is the word shug, S-H-U-G. And it means to run over, to rule over. Now, When you're thinking about this, hypersensitivity, I want you to remember this. If you don't remember anything else about this talk, remember this. A woman's greatest fear is to be treated as an object. The husband in his fallen state is insensitive. And it's very easy for the husband to treat the woman simply as an object. And what the woman needs is love. And that's why the command is to love your wife is Christ love the church conversely thinking about this the man needs respect a man's greatest fear is to be ruled over by a woman or to be found inadequate now think about this her curse is to want to rule over him she's going to have a desire for him but at the same time want to rule over him or run over him and so the man's greatest need is respect is respect. That's why she is to submit to him. Now, what submission is not? What submission is not? It is not abusive. It is not prideful. It is not lording oneself over another. That is not what the submission is we're talking about. God does not mean dictatorial submission. A subject, a woman does not have to subject herself to a tyrant, to submit to the demands of a husband who acts like a beast or treats her as a footstool, or treats her as inferior. That is not what submission is. What God means by submission is order. Watch this. Is order, cooperation, relationship, and partnership. What a word. Husband and wife in partnership. And the husband and wife are to walk together hand in hand throughout life. The two shall become one flesh. The man's insensitivity must be harnessed in order to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Very important concept. God's order for the two is that the husband take the lead. In any organization, any organization, heaven, angelic, families, work, teams, there is structure, there is order, there is leadership. So the Christian wife in obedience to the Lord Subjects herself to her husband's leadership and authority and control. And notice this, please, let this resonate through you. Every man in here, let this resonate. The subjection here is God's word to the wife, not the husband's word to the wife. It is not appropriate for the the, the husband to ever be yelling at his wife, you must submit to me because I am the head of the house. That is toxic, that is wrong, and that is improper. That is a word from God to the wife. Conversely, the wife should never, ever, ever say to the man, you should love me as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Who can meet that standard as a man? Nobody can meet that. So that's God's word to the man, okay? It is not that we use this as a battering ram against each other against each other. Very important concept. Now, a word of caution to husbands and wives regarding order. Going outside of God's order creates a mess. You realize that? Creates a mess. Whenever you see a wife acting outside of her God-proscribed order, not submitting, usurping authority, ruling over, acting independent of the man, just like Eve did in the garden, you get sin, and you get trouble, and you have mess. Whenever you see that, whenever you see a man acting outside of his order, God's proscribed order, out of loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, not being a servant leader. Now, it occur in two different ways. A man can be passive, not engaged, distant. Or a man can be overbearing, abusive, insensitive to her. Whenever a man is in either of these two extremes, there is sin and there is trouble. In all of God's creative order, everything works better if we obey God and stay in our order. Just think, had Satan stayed in his order as the anointed cherub and not trying to usurp authority from God, we wouldn't have all this mess on earth today. But he went outside of his order. Adam and Eve went outside their order. So it's important for husbands and wives to stay in your order. In order to avoid the messes of life. Now, I want to talk to you about what it was like for a woman at the time of Jesus Christ. And not only at the time of Jesus, but I suggest to you that this is very much like it is for women throughout the world where there is non-Christianity. Watch this. Watch this. Now remember, Jesus freed women. Today's culture looks at Christianity as being so suppress- suppressive Oh, you want the woman to stay at home and raise the kids. I can't believe that you have that type of view. Well, that's a woman's role. She has the prerogative to do that. She can go to work, that sort of thing. But the home and those children are her number one priority. That is not popular in the culture today. That is not popular. Now, the woman's world at the time of Christ is is going to be described here. William Barclay says it great. In Jewish society, under Jewish law, A woman was a thing. She was owned by her husband in exactly the same way as he owned his sheep and his goats. On no account could she leave him, although he could dismiss her at a moment. For a wife to change her religion while her husband did not was unthinkable. That's what Peter is addressing the Jewish society. But it isn't just there. The Greek civilization said this the woman was to remain indoors stay indoors, obedient to your husband, don't say anything, don't contribute anything, don't ask anything, be behind the scenes. She had no independent thought, no independent existence of any kind. And a husband could divorce his wife on a whim. Just a capricious, whimsical, I don't like you anymore, I'm out of here. Under Roman law, it's even worse. Under Roman law, she remained forever a child. When she was under the father, under her father, she was under the patria potestas, the father's power, which gave the father the right even of life and death over her. When she married, this was passed; this power was passed equally to her husband. She was entirely subject to her husband and completely at his mercy. Now that is the world in 2,000 2000 years ago. This is what Peter is dealing with, this type of culture. But I want to suggest to you this type of dominance, this type of male dominance exists today. It exists in Hinduism. It exists in Islam. It exists in communism. It exists wherever the Lord Jesus Christ has not penetrated the world. That's where it exists. The woman has no rights, no rights. Peter's advice in such a case is that her conduct Her character has the potential to change the heart of the husband. The Christian wife with a pagan husband, the goal was to soften him to Christ. Voluntary unselfishness, cooperative spirit, seeking the highest good of her husband. Soften him to spiritual things. Now, ladies, if you have an unsaved husband, this is God's word to you. Trust God to change your husband. Not manipulating, not pouting, not sulking, not scheming, nagging, putting tracks all over the place, that sort of thing. You are to trust God to change your husband, and she looks at you, and he is to view your conduct as that is reflecting the Lord Jesus and wonder, what in the world has happened to Sally? She is treating me so much different, okay? So God's order for the wife is submission to your husband. Okay, ladies, now you made it through that phase. Aren't you glad that phase is done? Because verse 3 and 4, it's going on. The wives' order is this. Wives, consider your adornment. Consider your adornment. Verse 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Now, notice it says, do not let it be. It doesn't say your adornment doesn't matter. It says, don't let it be merely outward. It's okay to look nice. It's okay to be attractive. It's okay to do these things. But that's not the focus of your life. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. This was all style during the time that the Bible was written here, 2,000 years ago. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Not the external adornment, but the quiet, gentle Spirit is very precious in the eyes of God. Now watch this. Adornment is the word cosmos. Now you've heard that word before. Cosmos. We get the word cosmetics from cosmos. So you can use cosmetics to beautify yourself. Cosmopolitan comes from the word cosmos. Upscale cities. But it means the universe and the beauty that is in the universe. Wives, it is not simply outward beauty that you should be focusing on. All the attentionals on the externals, you don't want that. And again, it's okay to have have an emphasis to look nice, but that's not where it all ends. In our culture, there's an overwhelming pressure on women and how they look. And I'll tell you, thin is in. And that's anorexia and bulimia and those types of things result from that. Enhanced sexuality is in. An extreme focus on the physical, clothing, style, that's in. And what you have to fight against are the things that you see in magazines where you see perfect people with no scars, no moles, no dents, no pimples on their nose, nothing. They look perfect. And that's what that you, that you are to ascribe to that level of, of beauty, which is absolutely impossible. So they make a, make a, a, a goal that is unattainable for the average woman. The cultural pressure is immense, especially on young girls. Especially on go- young girls. The right clothing, the right makeup, the right hairstyle, the right shoes, the right diet after diet after diet after diet to look perfect, all on the externals. And again, Peter isn't prohibiting the beautification of, of the woman, he's emphasizing the importance of character over adornment. In verse 4, God's focus, and it's the right focus, is the hidden person of the heart. It is character, character. It's all about the heart. It's internal change by Christ. Jesus produces change. A fruit of time with Jesus is a changed you and a changed focus on your life. A gentle, quiet spirit, gentle tranquility. This is the woman's most powerful quality. And this is the one that's most honored by God. Precious, precious in the sight of God. Your character. You will not win your lost husband by nagging and manipulating or walking around with an attitude. It'll be your gentle, quiet spirit. In verse 5 and 6. Finally, it's the end of the ladies' stuff. So hold on, ladies. Wives, some examples to draw from. Verse 5 and 6. For in this manner in this submission manner in former times the holy women who trusted in god also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands and let me let me just emphasize this because i didn't emphasize it earlier your own husband it doesn't mean that a woman has to be submissive to men throughout the culture okay women can be presidents women can be governors women can be bosses And then in those cases, we are to submit to that leadership as men. It's just talking about in the husband wife relationship, your own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror, if you are not afraid of what will happen to you, if you do submit and trust God. That's what that last statement means. Now let's develop this. Submission is not impossible but will require you to change the way that you respond to your husband. Your priority, your prior responses will change as you become more and more in-depthly related to Christ, as you are being more and more conformed to the likeness of Christ. Believing women in the past submitted to their own husbands, and again, not all men, their own husbands. Sarah is a great example. She called Abraham Lord and Master, even after Abraham failed, and he failed awfully, if you would, just for a moment, take a journey to Genesis chapter 12. In a Genesis chapter 12, what we see is Abraham being called out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And the Abrahamic promise is given in verse 1. Get out of your country." From your family, leave them. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, and everything is great for Abraham. He's now going into the promised land, and wherever his feet touch, that land is claimed for God. Wherever his feet touch. In verse 7, the Lord appeared to him. And again, he has an altar experience with God. And then God tests Abraham, and he tests him with a famine. And there was a famine in the land in verse 10. And what did Abraham do? Instead of Abraham praying and consulting God, Abraham turns right back to the world, and he goes to Egypt, which is a picture of the world. And he goes down to Egypt, and the first thing he does is he tries to protect himself. He is walking out of his order. And he is walking in the way of the world. And watch what happens here in verse 12. Therefore, in verse 11, it says, because Sarah is beautiful. She's 65 years old right here, by the way. That's a beautiful woman. And she's still going to be appealing to the Egyptians. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. Now, who is Abraham concerned about? Abraham who is he not concerned about? Sarah, it's awful. And they will kill me. Oh, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, half lie, half truth, that it may be well for your sake. He's trying to throw her throw a bone. And then I may live because of you. Now, what happens here is that Abraham then is living out these consequences of, of his decision. He picks up a lot of treasures in Egypt. God is going to bless him because he's decided to bless him, not because of Abraham's conduct. But he also picks up Hagar, and Hagar ends up being the source of the Arab nation and the Israeli-Arab conflict to this day. But Pharaoh's house is plagued, and what he experiences in Egypt is Pharaoh the heathen chastening Abraham, the man of God. It's out of order. He walked out of his order. Abraham is an example. He walked out of his order there, and twenty-five years later, 25, and he's got a lot of victories along the way. A lot of victories along the way. 25 years later, he runs into Abimelech. He's afraid for his own life. And you know what he does? The very same thing. Oh Sarah, tell him that I'm that you're my sister so that I can live. He hasn't learned. And by the time we get through with this whole thing, at the age of 90. Sarah has, has been promised that there's going to be a child. Abraham, at the age of 100, or 99, going, at the age of 100, is going to have the child. And we see that in Genesis 18, 12, in spite of Abraham's pitiful decision, awful decisions that he makes, Sarah calls him Lord. And at age 90, with, the, with Isaac being, pro, being promised, she calls him Lord or Master. Now watch this. It shows that Sarah respected him. Even though he made mistakes, Sarah respected him. Ladies, that's something you have to realize. We will make mistakes. More on that in just a second. Was attentive to his needs, cooperated with his wishes, and adapted herself to his desires, even when he failed. Now, I want you to think about this. Husbands can make some awful, pitiful, bad decisions, It is at these times of failure that he needs you the most to pray for him. He needs your prayers, not your criticism. And encourage him and be forgiving. Be forgiving. Sarah knew what every woman must know, that he is simply a man. He's not Superman. He may think he's Superman from time to time. Strutting around, walking around, watch how big and strong I am and that sort of thing. But deep down inside, he is simply a man. Stand by him. That's what you're called to do. Now the husbands. Ladies, be attentive. And husbands, be attentive. The husbands order a strong command to husbands. Now this is a command. This is a strong command. Listen to this. One verse, but I'll tell you it cuts right to the heart. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, and we will develop that. Let that resonate inside your minds. Giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, oh, that your prayers may not be hindered, that your prayers may not be hindered. In the same way, what is the same way? Well, the husbands must submit also, submitting to God's order. The wives had to submit to God's order. The husband has to submit to God's order. The wives' order had an obligation. The husbands have an obligation. It's different than the wives, yet it's still an obligation. It's a command, in fact. The husbands must do this. Now, watch this. Extremely important for husbands. How you dwell with your wife will help her in her role of submitting to you and her obeying God. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. How you dwell with your wife, the atmosphere that you create for your wife within that home, will help her in her role of submitting to you and her obeying God, if you are degrading, demeaning, abusive, whether it's physical, emotional, language, whatever it is, if you treat her as an object, not as a co-partner, remember, you you, you have a helpmate, you have someone that is equal, that is alongside of you. Remember, Eve was taken out of the rib, out of the side of Adam, As as someone equal with him in the beginning, it was equal. Because there's headship does not mean there's not equality. As far as value, very important. If you treat her as an object as no value, remember that's her greatest fear, is have an insensitive man treat her as an object. Treat her as an object. She will have an extremely difficult time obeying God's command to submit to her husband. And I'll tell you, this is a death blow to who she is as a person. When you have someone that is abusive, 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 abusive demeaning 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 this is a death blow to her and how god created her remember she's hypersensitive and what she needs from her husband is help not for her to be insensitive but her to be him to be sensitive to her to her needs to help her fulfill her role now husbands your your job is to help her we've established that help her now dwell with her with understanding Dwell with her with understanding. And that means understand her sensitivity. Know her. I don't know how much you ha- have, have remembered from this, but please, know her. Study her. She is your number one earthly priority. The number one earthly priority is not your video games. The number one earthly priority is not the softball team, the basketball team, your fishing, your hunting, and all that stuff. Your number one earthly priority, men, is your wife. God is above everything. He's your number one overall priority. But earthly relationships, the number one is your wife, is your wife. And you are to dwell with her in peace. Respect her as a person, not an object. Remember again, that's her fear. Create a great dwelling place for her, a safe place. You know, a woman needs a safe place a place where she's not going to be criticized and abused. She needs that place, a place where she is does not have to be on guard for the next assault. Give her your time and attention and understand her. Know her fears. Know her dreams. Do you know your wife's dreams? Do you know your wife's fears? Do you know what makes her tick? This will take time. This will take commitment. And I'm telling you, as awful as this word is, it will take communication. You will have to listen. Now, just a, just a clarification here. Men are insensitive. Wives are hypersensitive. Women usually speak on an average of 30,000 words a day. I'm watching this lady go through our development, jogging. And while she's jogging, she's on the phone. And her, she does not stop talking for one second. And just not a millisecond, just keeps talking. She's getting her 30,000 plus words in. The communication, the man has to sit down and give his wife time. That's you being sensitive to her, being sensitive to her. This is not the way we're created, ladies. We are insensitive. We want to get to the point right now. And I'll tell you, sometimes we, you might have a code here. If you just wanted to get, to the, get to, the, to the point, tug your ear, have this as your code. Just get to the point, dear. Not, not in a demeaning way, but I can't, I can't process this right now. I've just gotten home from work, and I don't need all the details about everything that went on. Just tell me what the important part is. And that will help him to be able to understand you more. We have to be sensitive to the way each one of us are are put together, but men, we have a responsibility to sit down and communicate with our wives. And you know what that means? That means you are looking eye to eye with your wife. Now, sometimes I'm looking eye to eye with Chris, and she will say, as I'm going into my trance, I'm starting, I'm starting to look through her, and she says, "Come back, Rick, come back. You're looking." I say, "Okay, okay. Sorry, I have to come back, and I have to get back in line here." I'm trying to hear. Okay, it's very, but it's not natural for us. Remember, dragnet. You know why that guy said, "Just the facts, just the facts, ma'am." That's all he wanted was the facts. That's it. But we have to, we have to give deference to them, and communi- allow communication. So, grunting is not communication. Oh, honey, I have this to talk to you. That is not communication. Distractions like the TV. Oh, I'm watching this. I, I'm listening. No, give her your time. The computer, video games, sports hobbies. We have to give them our time. Now, the wife is, is where are they on the list of your priority, dads? Number one. Number one. Number one. So, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, does this not mean weaker uh, emotionally or, or weaker in any other way than physical. This means physical weakness. Hold her higher than yourself. And I think this is so important. Remember, she's hypersensitive. We want to be sensitive to her. We want to hold her higher than ourselves. That's how Christ treats us. He he holds us up and we don't even deserve it. He lifts us up. We are to hold that, that wife that he's given, that treasure that he's given higher than yourself, and love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, Ephesians 5.25. Sacrifice for her. And that is exactly, exactly, exactly what Jesus Christ did for his bride, the church. He sacrificed, and that is what we are to do for our bride. We sacrifice our will. We are sacrificing when we are sitting down in the communication process. That's not easy for us, but that's something we are to do. We are to give deference to them. We are to, to, to meet their need, help them and listen to them, sacrifice for her. And then we are heirs together of inheriting the grace of life. This is an important point. We are heirs together, joint heirs together, not one greater than the other. We are joint heirs together of the grace of life. God's a grace is God's loving kindness is extended to the man and to the woman equally. Man to the woman equally. We have equal spiritual rights. We're equal before the eyes of God. Something unheard of prior to Christ. It was unheard of. Jesus Christ brought equality. Equality. Galatians 3.26 is a verse that's oftentimes taken out of context. I'll tell you what this means. Everybody, man and woman, have value. Have value. For you are all sons of God through faith, in Christ Jesus, this is talking about salvation. This is talking about salvation for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ. When you came into, when you said yes to the Lord Jesus, you were immersed into the Lord into, into, into Christ, having put on Christ. And then, because you are saved, who is savable? He's going to go into who is savable. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everyone is savable, male, female, slave, free. This is not talking about, sometimes people will use this verse out of context to say that women have the same rights to position within the church of an elder as a man. That is not what this is saying. This is saying everyone is savable, savable. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, oh, heirs, Heirs according to the promise. Heirs of what salvation by grace through faith produces. We are heirs together. Very important concept. Now the warning here. Hear the warning, men. The warning is this. Failure to respect her. Failure to understand her. Failure to honor her, to create a safe place. Your wife needs a safe place for her. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. As the head of the home, God has put you in a unique position as the head, and you are to represent the Lord Jesus as your head. Jesus never comes down heavy on us. He is always gentle. Remember, he is gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. That's what we are to do, create a place of rest for the souls of of our brides. As head of the home, as priest of the home, as intercessor of the home, as the servant leader of the home, Your prayers will be hindered if you do not do this. Hindered means cut down, cut off, not heard. In the Outline Study Bible, we see this. Husbands hear this. Failure to honor the wife hinders the prayers of the husband. God will not answer the prayers of any husband who dishonors his wife, hear this, no matter who he is or how much he professes Christ. What God hears is the sigh of his wife, not the prayers of a mean, domineering husband. The husband can cry out to God all he wants, but God's back is turned away from him and and turned towards the sigh of his wife. God is going to hear the broken and contrite hearts, not the prayers of an arrogant and dominating spirit. Isn't that a huge caution? Ever wonder why your prayers are not being heard? Hey, our relationships with our wives are essential. Essential. Now, in conclusion, for your marriage to survive and thrive, husbands and wives stay in your order. Marriage in a fallen world, even in the best of situations, is difficult. In the very best. Now, look at. Somebody's always looking for their soulmate. She wasn't my soulmate. I need a soulmate. In other words, you want someone that's going to be exactly what you want them to be. Every time you talk, somebody jumps or something, you know, your soulmate. Hogwash, we're fallen. Fallen people. Blending together two fallen people with selfish motives is a setup for disaster Unless we submit to God's way and God's order. Unless we submit to his order. It all works when we stay in our order. That's God's order. The wise order, again, just in summary, is to submit to your husbands, respect your husbands, resist the urge to criticize and correct your husband. Resist the urge to run over or rule over your husband. This will not work he is flawed, he will do dumb things, he will make bad decisions. Pray for him. He needs your prayers. Wives, remember your husband's greatest fear in marriage is to be ruled over by a wife or to be found inadequate. Now look, at my father-in-law could do everything. He could build, he could fix, he could do all that stuff. I can do nothing, nothing. Now, it would be very easy for Chris to say, Rick, can't you do anything right? Can't you fix anything? Can't you do... Come on! I mean, because her model was her dad who could do anything. He was MacGyver, for crying out loud. He could do everything. (laughs) I could do nothing. But she never once criticized me in our whole marriage. She had plenty of opportunity because I was really jerky. I mean, you know me now, but... Before this, it was really bad. It was not easy. And she did never, ever criticize me, never compared me. That's a treasure to me. That's a treasure to me. So stay in your order. Wives, resist the urge to run over. Remember your husband's greatest fear in marriage is to be ruled over by a wife and to be found inadequate. Submitting to your husband is God's order for you. and allows marriage to work, to survive and thrive. Husbands, your order, you know, is to love Christ, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You are the lead. And as the lead, you are to be the priest of your home. You set the spiritual tone for your home. It isn't say go read your Bible, woman. Go read your Bible. I mean, go read it. No, that is not what it's talking about. It talks about you nurture her in, in God. You do things together. You encourage her together. You are to emulate Christ. Be servant leaders, not dictatorial leaders. As a servant leader, you are to dwell with her, create a safe place for her spiritually, emotionally, and physically. That is your responsibility. You are to understand her, know her fears, her dreams, her needs, and then you are to honor her, place her above yourself. Remember her greatest fear in marriage is to be treated as an object, not loved just an object, just another thing that you have. That's her greatest fear. A warning for husbands, you know what it is, hindered prayers that will be cut off and not heard if you do not do these things. Your prayers, your communication with God, your direction from God are hindered, cut down, not heard if you don't do these things. No matter how great or how spiritual you think you are, God will not hear you if you are mistreating your wife. Now, a quote from Charles Shedd, and I think that you should probably stick this someplace that's important, in your Bibles, on a mirror, on your car, someplace. It's a great quote. It's the antithesis of the world. Marriage is not so much finding the right person as it is being the right person. Let me say it again. Marriage is not so much... A Finding the right person, but being the right person. For your marriage to survive and thrive, husbands and wives, stay in your order. Sila. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to study your word. Lord, I pray that this really helped us to understand, maybe a little bit clearer, what our roles are, what you desire us to do. I pray that every wife will take what has been said seriously and every husband will take what is said seriously may we understand that you have created things in an order for a purpose because it works you're god we're not we're not here to try to tweak your order we're not here to try to make things right for us and take advantage of of somebody else but we are to stay in our order and do what you've called us to do to help our marriages to become stronger to help us survive and thrive all the pressures that come against the marriage. Lord, we're being inundated with things today that draw people away. I would call men and women of God to stand up and be men and women of God and to walk in their prescribed order. Thank you for this time, Lord, to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen.